Welcome queen to the body love binge with me Victoria. Although we're all unique, honestly I'm no different to you. I'm just a girl who's been through some hard shit, figured out how to thrive and made it her life's mission to help others to do the same. I've beaten anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder and I'm a domestic abuse survivor. My intention for this podcast is to empower you with weekly episodes on all things food freedom, body love and of course juicy, yummy self-love so you can embody the healthiest and happiest version of you. Enjoy the episode my love. Welcome back my lovelies, this episode is a follow-on from last week's part two for my story and in this episode I talk specifically about my abusive relationship, binge eating disorder, bulimia, fitness obsession and how I got to where I am now, so enjoy. Right, I am back for, I say part two, it's not really part two but I've moved locations, had a drink. And I'm ready to continue. So where was I in terms of the relationship and then how binge eating came? So just to recap previously before my anorexia, I was obviously experiencing binge eating behaviors in the context of like yo-yo dieting, always on a diet or off a diet, always like dieting, falling off the wagon, eating loads, getting back on. So there definitely were binge eating behaviors, but I wouldn't say, I mean, it doesn't really matter about the diagnosis if I'm being completely honest, but I wouldn't say it was to the extremity of the behavior where it was severely negatively affecting my life that I was aware of because of course the just simply yo-yo dieting is definitely keeping you small is definitely keeping you holding so much mental thought and energy into the diet binge cycle but in terms of like was it affecting my life and my happiness in a huge negative way with me realizing it then no but binge eating disorder that I got diagnosed with and I'm going to share my story about that now absolutely completely took over my life so when I was 19 so you've heard my story so far at this point my mum had left my dad she was living with somebody else I was living with my dad and just me and my dad my sister had actually married really young Um, well she hadn't married yet because the story then comes in a moment she had met someone really young and already bought a house with him And so, yeah, because I was six, no, I was 19, so she would have been 21. So she was already living with someone at 21. Either way, it was just me and my dad. And he was the most amazing cook, by the way, just FYI. And he's still a foodie and he still loves to cook. And he now lives in Lanzarote. And he spends most of his time in Lanzarote. He does still have the house that we used to live in together as well. And he comes to England sometimes. But he's 74. I think he's 75 or he might even be 76. Either way, he's like super fit, super healthy, really happy, really laid back. He's awesome, my dad. Anyway, so I was living with him when my mum had left um, and I was 19 at the time and I met an older man. So this man lived next door but one to me and my bloody little Jack Russell dog ran over to his dog and then the rest was history in a bad way. He was 34 yeah, he was 34, I was 19. The relationship happened very gradually. Um, I was 
very shallow in that time. And I was impressed by money because he had both of those things, like a really fancy sports car, a big Range Rover and lots of money. So it seemed. And so he was really charming as well and very funny. And that I value humor in a man. Anyway, I kind of like fell into that relationship with him. He was married as well not going to shout that from the rooftops but I did know he was married however he did promise and I believed him that the relationship with his wife wasn't an actual loving relationship and they slept in separate rooms and I know that they did and all of that which you know I did used to have a lot of shame around that because it's awful but that's what happened and this is me being completely honest vulnerable raw open and sharing my story so I kind of felt I want to say in love, but it definitely wasn't love because now I know what love was. I fell into a, a relationship with him and the abuse happened very gradually. So in terms of like me ditching for but want of a better word, my friends, it all happened so gradually. So he would say things like, oh, don't go out with your friends tonight. I'll take you to London and we'll stay in this five-star hotel and you can we can go shopping and you can buy anything you want. And I was very tempted by that and I enjoyed his company. So then I ended up canceling my friends all the time. I was with him all the time. Um, I was working at the time at a place called the Blue Cross, which is like a horse rescue sanctuary. And I was the, the main rider there. Um, so I was working. I had my own life going on. Um, my relationship with food wasn't great, but it was all I'd ever known. It was better than the anorexia. And I was okay. I was in an okay place. Um, then I met him and everything kind of changed. And over time, I lost all my friends because I'd never spent time with them. Again, no blame at all. My mum was kind of out of the picture because she was living with someone else. So I didn't have like the person who I was most closest to in the whole world. She'd like, obviously I still saw her, but we didn't live together anymore. It was a lot of change and and lot of things were happening in my life so I ended up in the relationship with this guy so he uh, anyway he left his wife we moved in together and then the abuse happened very gradually so the first time and I don't want to describe too much detail because I don't think it's as necessary and I really think it can be triggering um but the first time my ex boyfriend like when I was a teenager like messaged me just saying like how are you question mark and because I had no secret, there was nothing to hide. He saw that on my phone and went absolutely crazy. And he got me around the throat. This was, this was at the stables um, at night when I was saying goodnight to my horse. And he got me around the throat. And I'd never experienced that before in any way from him or anyone had ever been valent to me previously. And it shocked me. And I was so angry. And I said, you know, don't you ever I I would I reacted the way I would react now if someone did that to me now I was like fully that is never happening again we are over we are done you do not speak to me like that you do not touch me like that you do not like everything that you would expect a person in their power to say now I said all of that the waterworks got switched on meaning like the tears came from his side he's so sorry he needs help he has anger problems please can I help him blah 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 and because I thought I loved him, I wanted to help him. And so I did. And then it gradually just happened from there. And before you know it, it was normal, quote normal, for me to be hit daily. Um, 
I'd have bruises on my arms. Like if we were walking past someone at the stables and like someone was wanting to stop and talk to me, he would just squeeze my arms so hard, basically saying you are not stopping to talk. And I'd have bruises all down my arms. He would comment on my weight all the time. It was really confusing because one minute he would say how nice I looked. And then the next thing he would comment on how much weight I'd put on in terms of like, because oh, this is such a long story, but it needs to be a long story short. I was working at the time when I met him, as I shared with you, um, he would come up to my work all the time and like want to see me. And I would want to see him as well. Anyway, it caused trouble in my work. And then my boss told him he wasn't allowed to show up anymore. Anyway, he kicked off and started being all angry. And then I came and long story short, I kind of was asked to resign because the bosses were lovely. And, you know, it was clear it wasn't me, but I was choosing him above everybody else. So I kind of resigned, but at the same time got asked to resign. So whatever that means. Um, So I didn't have a job at this time he was going to take care of me he said he was going to make sure I was okay and all of this so I didn't have a job and didn't go I wasn't allowed to go to the shops by myself so in terms of why I'm sharing this part of my story is I remember running out of body lotion just numerous times and then one time he said well if you weren't so fat you wouldn't get through it so quickly because you've got so much body to put onto you've got so much body that the body lotion needs to be put onto so that's why you're using it so quickly everything was an issue like whenever I needed something money wise I always was made to feel guilty about it yet he would have shit loads of money all the time but I was made to feel guilty whenever I needed any and then when I said I wanted to work to have my own money I wasn't allowed to do that either so it was just awful it was such a horrible time he had his own business in business in quotes because it was to hide what he really did and still to this day I don't actually know what he really did there used to be brown envelopes full of cash get delivered in the middle of the night on his into his car that was left open so they could just leave it in there maybe drug dealing maybe something worse like I swear at one point I think he got paid to murder people and I know this is a podcast it's out in the public but I don't know if this is okay to say, but I'm just sharing what my opinion was. That's what I thought he did. Anyway, so we had this business that we would go to. He did actually do some work. So he used to tint car windows. Um, so we used to go there every day. And don't forget that I am literally stuck to his side. The only time I ever had alone was the time, the occasional times where I went to do the horse, because I had horses at the time as well. I used to buy and sell a few horses of my own that he paid for. Um, that I was allowed to go and ride occasionally on my own if he had to go and pick his kids up from school or whatever. So that was the only rare occasions I had by myself. And I had to be glued to my phone. If he called me and I didn't answer, then it was the end of the world. And it it was going to be taken out on me, his anger, that I didn't answer. So I was like so anxious that I wouldn't miss any calls or I'd reply to a message whenever I wasn't with him. And most of the time I was with him. So I didn't have any money. I couldn't go to the shop by myself. Where was I even going with this? Oh yeah, so we went to, we used to go to his business quite often. Um, and then when he had to go on errands, whatever the errands were, I don't know. He used to lock me in the office so I couldn't get out anywhere. He used to lock me in there. Um, they, he, 
the best thing was this was where the binge eating started he had those like bubble gum machines like you know where you put money in and you twist it and like some m&ms come out or whatever you choose to put in there to come out um he had them and he used to fill all of them with M- peanut m&ms because he liked them and i could have as many as i wanted so i started to binge eat those so the second i got there in the morning in the office and was locked in there i just used to sit and eat kilograms upon kilograms of peanut m&ms daily i kind of got addicted to them i looked forward to seeing them every morning so i kind of I became dependent on m&ms to make me feel better so food really was my friend at this point bearing in mind all the past dieting that i'd had bearing in mind all the anorexia that i'd experienced at this point i was in such a i call it the cave I wasn't going out with friends. I wasn't doing anything. I was literally just in this abusive cave that was called a relationship. So therefore, weirdly, I felt safe to allow myself to eat whatever it is that I wanted to eat. So the weight gain came. And although I hated it because I hated weight gain, obviously, it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would have because I was so cut off from the real world anyway. And I was deeply depressed and anxious and food was there for me and it was almost like I wasn't even living I was just existing so I would live on P&M&M's we would live off three takeaways a day bearing in mind he was in charge of all the money all the time because I didn't have any of my own I was made to feel guilty whenever I needed anything any money for anything even like Tampax for example and so we would eat like McDonald's for breakfast And then we would eat like um, a takeaway of like jacket potato, cheese, beans and butter for lunch. All the time, M&Ms are also feeding me account like over the course of the day as well. And then we would have a takeaway like a Chinese or an Indian or whatever in the evening. And then I'd have loads of chocolate. And that really became food was my friend. Food was the only comfort that I had to comfort me through that time. And I loved it he encouraged it he also loved the fact that I was getting bigger because apparently and this just is mirrored back to all of my beliefs in the past when I was growing up bigger equals less attractive and therefore he could feel safer with me because no one would be looking at me if I was big and and not looking as good as that I wanted to look and this was in my limited mindset of like to me weight gain was like the ultimate worst thing ever of course it's not but I didn't know that then so I put loads of weight on he kind of made me dye my hair black it was literally almost black and I'm not naturally bleach blonde obviously but anyone watching the video like my natural colors like the hairdressers call it ash blonde it kind of looks a bit more brown if I'm being honest but in general I dyed my hair really dark my roots looked gray because my hair was a lot lighter than what I dyed it because apparently blondes get more attention everything that he could think of to suppress me and to make me as unattractive as possible he would praise and encourage so there I was eating three takeaways a day every and this was for six years may I add six years I was in this relationship living off peanut M&Ms he wouldn't buy any healthy food so when I the times when I was like right come on I need to do something about this to make myself feel better I want to start exercising I want to try and lose weight I want to do something he would refuse to buy healthy foods he would refuse to buy any foods because we literally didn't cook because he didn't like it and he would say well if you don't want to eat the takeaways you're just going to starve then because I'm not getting anything else and I had no money I'd cut off from my friends I was cut off from my mum 
because he saw my mum as a threat because of course my mum had so much love for me and she was waiting for me with open arms to go back to her this all happened gradually right one time um he I passed out because he went to my dad's house where I used to live to pick something up for me because him and my dad well everyone hated him but they were kind of amicable with each other my dad kind of just like left me to it he picked up something from my house and he found a tin of old photographs of me when I was a teenager and there was a photo of me with a boyfriend one time and that was it he came home where we lived together we was in an apartment so it was like two two or three stories up um, in a place in Repton if anyone's aware of Repton it's in Derby it's a nice place um he came home and I could tell by his face that he was fuming and I was like oh no oh no what now and he'd seen that photo of me and my boyfriend when I was like 16 and anorexic as well and that was it all the abusive language came you're a slag you're a hoe bitch all of that and he went off on one he didn't usually hit me on the face because people could obviously see but this time he went crazy he hit me on the face he strangled me I passed out it was awful that was one time I have so many stories I don't want to like be too graphic as I said um so many he would lie to me all the time I didn't even know that when I got with him he had not long had a baby with his then at the time wife I didn't even know that until two years later he was like the world's best liar ever everyone was scared of him so like all the people like all the men that interacted with him around his quote workplace they were all petrified of him it was so embarrassing because he was like a biggest road rage ever so whenever anyone would pull out in front of him or do some road mistake he would literally get so close to the back of them it was like we were literally in the back seat and he would chase them for fucking hours because he had nothing else to do and literally like it was so aggressive and so abusive it was embarrassing and it was it was so uncomfortable it was horrible what else he would beat his son up in front of me and then when I would tr go and try and stop him from beating his own son up I would then get the abuse and I feel, I mean, his son was, I mean, at the time I would have been what, I mean, it was six years from the nine, age of 19 till like 25. His son was like, not that much younger than me. Um, his son was probably like five, six years younger than me, possibly. Anyway, so me and him actually had quite a good relationship whenever we got locked in together because he, he treated his son like this control thing anyway. And like when, I almost said his name, when he used to then start to hit me, his son jumped in to stop him from hurting me and then he would then hurt his son even more it was just absolutely awful so I experienced all of that he would control my phone couldn't text anybody um because he had my phone the whole time I remember my sister I didn't go to my sister's wedding I wasn't allowed to go because I wasn't allowed to see my family and my ex-boyfriend would have been at the wedding so I wasn't allowed to go I remember my sister tried to get hold of me to tell me that she was pregnant for the first time with her first child. I was going to be auntie for the first time. And she'd tried countless times to call me and to message me and he deleted everything. And I had no idea she was trying to get in touch with me. Anyway, I read a message. I got, I was holding my phone as a message got sent, thankfully. And she'd text me saying she tried to get hold of me. She understood the situation I was in and that I was going to be an auntie for the first time. And 
that hurt because I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, what, what am I doing anyway? She told me she was pregnant by text message because of that relationship. Another story. I, we was, when I say we, it was me, him, his brother, who was similar age to him and his brother's wife. We were on holiday in the UK, in and out, Wales, I think we were. And I went to the toilet and there was a, a sign outside the toilet saying male cleaning attendance maybe in the women's toilets. Like that's pretty standard. And so I went to the toilet and came back and got into the car. And then he was like, oh, I bet you loved that, didn't you? And I was like, what? Oh, a male cleaner in the toilet. I was like, there was no one even cleaning the toilet. And I felt a bit safer to argue back because his brother and his wife was in the back seat. He just thumped me in the face because apparently I was a slag because I went to the toilet and there was a male cleaning sign on the toilet. <sighs> when we were staying in hotels um, and we would like fight and he would hit me, I would scream so loud and like try and get someone to fucking come and help me and to just rescue me. No one came. No one wanted to get involved in anyone else's business. I was screaming for the top of for, for my life. No one came. He held my dog out the window when I when I when I learned how to just leave my body and just switch off from the abuse he didn't like that because he wanted a reaction and I stopped reacting because there was no point it would just make it worse so I stopped fighting back I stopped I just literally just left my body and when he knew that I could do that he would get my little toy poodle I had a little she's still alive she's with my nice ex and she's still alive and she's really happy called Gucci he used to get her and hold her out of the window at two stories up and threaten to drop her and he actually would have because he's so fucked up in the head to try and get me to react then of course then I reacted because he's holding my poor dog out the window oh my god he used to throw plates at the wall like anything would make him angry anything it was like walking on eggshells like I was anxious the whole fucking time my poor dog knew knew what swear words were and still she does anytime anyone swears she just shakes and goes and sits near the door because she's so scared and I feel bad that she was so scared and he used to throw stuff all the time he used to thump holes in the wall and then we would rent houses so then we used to not get our deposit back because there'll be thumped holes in the wall every time after he'd abused me like physically he would then want to quote make up and have sex and of course that was the last thing on earth I ever want I would rather have died I felt so fucking disgusted and he basically would rape me because if I didn't allow him to do that then the abuse would continue physically so I'd literally just lie there and like again just leave my body and literally just wish I was dead and I feel so disgusting, even ugh, talking about it. Ugh, disgusting. Um, what else? I don't know if I can share this on a podcast, but I'm going to share it. There was one time my dad called me in the middle of the night and I didn't really speak to my dad. He kind of just left me to this relationship. No blame, but I, don't, I guess he didn't know what to do. My dad rang me and he said, just to pre-warn you, Vix, I don't care about him, but the police are on the way around. They've come around my house looking for him. So just to let you know, not for him. So then obviously he knew the police was coming around. And I was like, why are the police coming around? And this was in the middle of the night. And he was like, right, 
what's going to happen is the police are going to come around, they're going to arrest me, they're going to take me away, but I won't be long. But what I want you to do, there's a gun under the floorboards. And when I'm gone, I want you to take the gun and go in the forest behind the house and dig a fucking hole and bury this gun. And I'll sort it out when I get back. I did it. I actually did it. I was so scared. Bearing in mind, both my parents were police officers. My dad was a detective sergeant of the fraud squad. Even sharing this, I could probably have got 10 years or something. So the police took him away. I did what I did as a good little girl because I was so scared not to do it. Took the gun. Literally, I mean, this isn't even funny, but I'm having to bring humor into it because I was literally in my fucking pajamas in the middle of the night, climbing over a fence into the woods with an actual gun, a real gun, digging a hole, burying it, and then going back to bed. Like, what the fuck? So I did that. Um, what else? One time, check this. I mean, if this isn't to show anyone the how much power your comfort zone has over you, even if the comfort zone is abuse, about halfway into the relationship, that time when I shared with you that he actually hit my face, so obviously I had black eyes and stuff and I couldn't leave the house for obvious reasons and I couldn't leave the house when he was gone because we were two stories up so I couldn't jump out the window one time the second because he took my phone locked me in the house and wouldn't let me leave until I was quote healed and one time he was on the phone and he forgot to lock the door behind him and then he left in the car my heart was racing I was like this is now or never if you want to go you've got to go now so I got my little dog and I remember going out the door onto Repton High Street and just running down the road and finding the first thing that I could find, a shop or anything, it was the hairdressers. And I remember going in, God knows what I must have fucking looked like. I think I was like in ridiculously shitty old tracksuit bottom clothes, beaten up all over my face, crying, holding my little dog, shaking, hysterical. And just said, can I, I don't know how I said it, like, can I, can, can, can I use your phone? to call the police I called the police this is all a bit of a blur they came and got me my mum and dad were on holiday both separately my mum obviously came back the second they'd called her because I hadn't had no contact with her I had to have all the photos taken of all my injuries and all of that and give a statement and I left and you know what I did I went back only a few months later because why exactly why I had a restraining order put on him. He would follow me. I'd, I still had all my horses at the stable, so he would follow me and he would hide in bushes and I would know he was there. And then one time he came out and I was like, I'm going to call the police, leave me alone. And he was like, I've changed. I've been on an anger management course. I can prove it to you. Here is the paper. Everything will be different this time. You can see your family. I was wrong. Everything you did was right. I'm so sorry. All of that. And I fucking took him back because I deeply believed that he was telling the truth. And so I got back with him, told my family, I mean, I was seeing him in secret first for obvious reasons. My poor bloody mum, surprised she's still alive, to be honest, what I put her through. Her love saved me again. She, knowing that my mum was there for me, and I'll tell you this, when I actually left the second time and that was it then, it was my mum's love that did it. Um, anyway, I went back with him. Things were different for a while. And then they went back to the way it were, it was. And then the, the second and the last time I left, which was six years after I first met him, um, his wife had 
horrific, his ex-wife horrifically had died from an epileptic fit. I mean, she wasn't much older than me. And she was, she was about his age. So she was older than me. And so his children came to live with me and there was a, an older son who didn't, who the one who I shared with you previously, he was living by himself, renting a room somewhere. His older daughter came to live with me. And then this, it was a baby, but now he was like six years old, came to live with us. And um, I remember his daughter going out and his son kept waking up and coming downstairs, obviously, because his poor freaking his mum had just died. Oh my, I can't even, like, can't even. And I remember sitting there and I remember a voice in my head that I'd not heard before. And it said, what the fuck are you doing with your life? And I was like, I don't know, but no more, no more. And from that day, we had like an attic thing and I started to put my clothes out the way slowly, slowly, slowly and like pack them away ready to leave and then I was messaging my mum in the bathroom I mean he used to have a screwdriver to open the bathroom door so I couldn't even lock myself in the bathroom to go for a fucking shit by myself because he would be there with a screwdriver like wondering what I'm doing like am I messaging a man or like what how the fuck could I ever have capacity or anyway that was not on my mind obviously I was trapped. So I was messaging my mom in secret and that was very anxiety provoking for me because I literally feared for my life. And I was like, mom, I know you don't believe me, but I'm, I want to leave. Please help me. This is a plan. You're going to come on this day and I'm going to have my stuff all packed. When he leaves to take the kids to school, this is when it's going to happen. Anyway, a week later, the day came. This was literally like an, an episode of Coronation Street or EastEnders. Anyone from the UK who's listening or watching, it's like a soap, like a soap opera, like, um, watching people's quote everyday lives like in a in a series so she came and this is funny looking back she came bless her at the right time and everything was going to plan I'd got all my stuff he came back didn't he because he forgot something oh my god so he came back can you imagine the shock on his face when my mum me and my mum were there like in the midst of like grabbing all my bags and like literally doing a runner with my dog and everything and he arrived and I didn't feel scared because I was with my mum and she was fucking fuming. <laughs> As you can imagine, oh my God, go mum. She was fuming. And then he started crying and he was shaking and she was a police officer as well. So he was scared from that aspect of, anyway, we, we left. Obviously didn't want us to leave, but my mum was there. So we left, changed my phone number, restraining order, we went to court that was last time we went to court and he got charged with guilty for battering me and he got a suspended sentence but this was that was last time and I just left and I never looked back and it sounds simple but it wasn't I used to see his car and I used to literally have a fucking heart attack whenever I saw his private number plate oh my god I had nightmares it was awful like I remember my sister like I was coughing one time and my sister like patted me on the back and then I burst into tears because it brought back the memories like just a beaut like hitting me oh my god so all of that happened I'd not really spoke about food at this point but in context food was my friend it was all I had to keep me sane it was my I'm so glad that food was there for me even though I put all the weight on and even though I'd you know been obsessed with all this food like I'm so glad it was there for me and so I was diagnosed with binge eating disorder. I went to the doctors when I was with him because I just couldn't stop fucking eating. And he loved that fact, obviously. 
So that was that. And then the most recent part of my story came the bulimia. So I started to rebuild my life. I would have been 25. Um, I found the gym. I became obsessed with fitness because the weight came off the second that I was out of the relationship. And first of all, just simply not eating three takeaways a day is, you know, naturally the weight's naturally going to come off. I was moving my body again and everything just naturally happened and my weight started to come off. And I found the gym. And now remember I said, I couldn't even go to the shop by myself. How liberating it was for me to go to a gym and to move my body and to get rid of, I thought I was processing all the anger all the resentment, all the shame, all the sadness, all the times he'd hit me, raped me, abused me, stopped me from seeing my mom. On my 21st birthday, I got zero cards because he burnt them. I didn't even know I'd got any. He didn't, he told me nobody gave me anything. He didn't give me anything. All of that was coming out through fitness. I became a machine, literally, physically, mentally, emotionally. I had my fucking armor up. I got a six pack. I was lifting heavier shit weights. I was obsessed. And yes, part of this was therapy for me because it was trying to just feel and release all of this anger and all of this pent up emotion that I'd had for six years. So that did help. But then at the same time, it didn't help because it just ignited my obsession with my body again, because I was getting so many compliments, as you can imagine, for the six pack I'd suddenly got and how fit I was and how, oh my God, the machine's here. Like, yeah, I wonder why I'm a machine because I'm processing all of this fucking abuse. It's not normal to be this obsessed and this, like, I could just ignore my body because I'd got so used to disconnecting from myself, my body, because of the abuse. I could run faster, harder, lift heavier for longer and just ignore all of my poor body signals to like, hey, darling, we need to rest. Hey, darling, you have an injury. Hey, darling, you've literally sprained the ligaments in your ankle and you can't walk. And the doctor said to rest. So why are you doing one-legged fucking burpees? I was doing all of that. I was ignoring everything because this was like safe for me to just be fit, be strong physically, emotionally, be healthy, but it wasn't healthy and just lose weight. And then I got to the point where I started eating less and less and less. And I, I, I say this with all honesty, the fitness world fucked me up more so than the anorexia in terms of body image, because if you can relate, it's not just being lean, it's having a round, round glutes and round shoulders and small waist and big lats and all of the quad sweep and all of that BS, I'm say BS, bodybuilding is a sport, but it's all aesthetics. And that is not okay. In my opinion, that just fucked me up so much. So I became obsessed because it made me feel safe and loved with how I looked. I was, excuse me, getting praised so much and I ate less and less and less. And thankfully, my body could not continue eating less and less like the anorexia. I have no idea how I built muscle because all I used to do is starve myself all day and then binge every single night. It started off just like weekly. So it started off with every single week I'd eat really, quote, clean and count calories and eat under my calorie allowance. I would overexercise. So I would literally get up at quarter to five every morning 
bike to the gym, which was like 40 minutes away, do an hour intense exercise circuit class, bike to work, have my whole day at work, which wasn't with the horses at this time, but it used to be. So I'd have the horses and riding nine horses a day at the start of like my bulimia journey, if you like, not eat all day. No, that I'm getting mixed up. That was towards the end. Eat clean all day and then go home and then eat as little as possible in the evening after I'd biked home, been to the gym again to do weights and then biked back home from the gym. It's exhausting just talking about it eat chicken and fucking broccoli for dinner and then do it all again the next day. And then at the weekend, oh my, I would go crazy. I would start buying chocolate at the beginning of the week to make myself get ready and feel excited and feel like I'm buying and allowing myself the chocolate, even though I wasn't eating it. I would buy so many different bars of chocolates and stash them in my wardrobe and go and look at them every day and like drool over them. And the second Saturday morning was here. I would wake up and start eating chocolate all day, Saturday, all night, Saturday, all day, Sunday, all night, Sunday, and start all over again with the clean eating and the over-exercising on the Monday as well as purging with over-exercising to the extreme, I would take shitloads of laxatives. I tried to make myself sick so many times and thank fuck I couldn't. Literally shoved toothbrushes down my throat. I physically can't make myself sick and I'm so glad about that. But I purged and that's why it's bulimia because any form of purging is bulimia through laxative abuse, which fucked up my digestion and through over-exercising. And I would take illegal fat burners, legal fat burners, illegal ones. Oh my God, what I did to my poor body. I remember even being jealous, like when my friend or my sister or my boyfriend at the time would like come home from the gym. I mean, sorry, they, they, I would come home from the gym and they would be going to the gym a few hours later I would be jealous and annoyed at them because how dare they work out when I'm not going to work out as well. Even though I'd worked out God knows for how long and killed myself during the process, I'd be jealous of anyone who was going to work out. And I'd feel like maybe I should do another workout because they are. God, what else? I couldn't look at, um, I couldn't look at movies without feeling an intense, hot wave of jealousy and envy and anger and shame towards my boyfriend who was also watching the movie innocently when it would zoom in on a woman getting undressed as they do with the quote perfect body I would feel so angry that he was looking at her I would feel ashamed because even though I had the quote perfect body it was never good enough and oh my god it took over my life what else steps I was obsessed with my Fitbit the average healthy steps which is made up BS by the way is 10,000 steps a day I would do like over 20 because I'm an overachiever and if I hadn't done that many steps which I always usually had because I was so fucking active I would walk up and down the stairs at night until I'd done over 20,000 steps as I've shared, I would hoard food, I would hide food, I would be obsessed with food, I would watch food porn on YouTube, I'd watch eating challenges, I would be obsessed, I would look at menus, but I'd be so controlling until I binge, and that's where it started getting worse, to the point where I couldn't hold off until the weekends anymore, I used to starve myself all day, 
drive to the stables and then ride nine horses a day, muck out 20 stables and whatever, and then finish late afternoon. because I worked for myself then, well, with somebody else, I had a business partner and then drive to Tesco, which is a supermarket and buy weekly, easily 60 pounds a week on Ben and Jerry's chocolate, sweets, biscuits, and literally live off that. And I do not know how my body functioned. I basically was starving myself all day and binging at night. I mean, this is all getting rules up, but this was my life for so long. This was my life for five years. And um, I remember one time I went on my first ever girl's holiday, which I'd been dieting for, obviously. And I remember getting up at something like half past three in the morning to go on a 10K run before the holiday because there's no way I can't exercise for a day. And then of course I would run when I was there, it was Lorette de Mar. I used to get up and run there as well. Obsessed I was. What else have I written down that I haven't shared? I, I literally wish that I would get sick so I could lose weight. So when someone had a tummy bug and they were sick or they had diarrhea or whatever, and they'd lost weight because they were sick, I was like, please give me the illness so I could lose weight literally would be begging to be sick so I could lose weight easily what else I used to take Tupperware meals to like meals out with friends and literally sit with my little Tupperware and eat my weighed out chicken broccoli sometimes it was five percent mince with tomato um, passata and a bit of rice I would ignore my body's injuries I was constantly body checking even more so than when I had the anorexia I remember the second I would wake up the first thing I would do is check how flat my stomach was if my abs were still there and I'd look at every single angle of my body and if I was satisfied with it I could have a good day I used to weigh myself obsessively if it was at a certain number I could have a good day if it wasn't then I needed to get my shit together I would control not just food but similar to the anorexia like timings of things and I was drinking a lot thankfully here I was like over obsessing about if I was drinking enough if I didn't go to the toilet that day it would ruin my whole entire day because my stomach wasn't flat and empty oh my god let me just give you I mean and then I met Valter in the midst of all of this I went to Egypt on holiday with a girlfriend Met Valter, who is a Dutchman, who is literally the one. It's a love story. Like we met in Egypt. He was on a holiday by himself. I was on a holiday with my best friend, Nat. Hi, Nat, if you're listening. Um, we met through there. He extended his holiday by two days. He cancelled his flight and booked another one to spend an extra two days with me on holiday. And then after the holiday, in all honesty, I it was kind of love at first sight. I'm not going to lie. But then I was kind of like, thanks for the sex, bye, because how is this going to work? You live in the Netherlands. I promised my family I would never leave them again after that abusive relationship. He flew to England every weekend for three months after we first met. Every Friday he would fly and he would fly back every Monday. Now, if that isn't an act of true love I don't know what is so obviously we were madly in love I was still in my it's a midst of this eating disorder like starving purging binging all of that body obsessing fitness obsessing nine percent body fat all of that and I moved over here which 
was completely didn't make sense. I'd got a job out of horses at this time. Didn't love it, but it was okay. It was very flexible. Um, I said, I'd never leave my family again. I literally followed my heart for the first time, even though it didn't make sense. I just followed my heart and I moved in with him in the Netherlands, which is where I am now. And then the binge eating came back with a vengeance because I felt very lonely. I couldn't speak the language, still can't, FYI. Climb beige in Netherlands is heal more for my, can't speak Dutch, it's really difficult for me. That's what I said then. Um, binge eating, eating in secret, didn't take laxatives. I don't know why I didn't purge that time, which is a good thing. I just was literally binge eating, not because I didn't, I wasn't happy in my life in terms of like I'd met Boucher, I've moved here. I didn't want to tell my mom how much I was struggling because I didn't want her to worry because of all the obvious reasons that I've put her through before. Wouter isn't the man he is today. And he was quite self-absorbed and didn't really realize what was going on. Some funny stories for food in this context, just so you know, you're not alone with the binge eating and the weird behaviors around food. When Valter would have a shower, I would quickly like get brownies out the freezer because I used to, I started my own brownie business when I moved over here, right? And it was doing really well and I was in the newspaper and everything. And then I was eating so much of my stock. I wasn't making money because I was fucking eating it all. No shit. So then I stopped that business and I used to freeze all my brownies to try and stop me from eating them. The second he was in the shower, I would quickly like go to the freezer, bang it in the microwave and go to the toilet and eat the brownie frantically in the toilet. I, at one point when I quit my business, I would I worked at a cleaning company because I can't speak the language. So I was cleaning student toilets and showers and I hated that job so much. And so the M&M, peanut M&M fetish came back. So every lunchtime we would go to the shop, I would buy a kilogram bag of peanut M&Ms. You can literally buy a kilogram over here. I would eat that. I would buy all the chocolate, all the old behaviors because I was so emotionally distressed and unhappy not with Valter but with myself and I didn't know how to cope with that I was just turning to food all the time I would buy two tubs of Ben and Jerry's eat four brownies two tubs of Ben and Jerry's and that was one of the worst nights a kilogram of M&Ms two tubs of Ben and Jerry's and four chocolate brownies in one night and I would sit there and I'd be so full I couldn't even breathe and I'd hate myself so much for eating all of that and I'll promise myself I'd start a diet tomorrow and do better this time this cycle continued for 10 months living with Valter he didn't know how to help me he was like just stop eating the chocolate you're not no one's forcing it in your mouth and I was like like I've not fucking tried to just stop eating chocolate all of that. Oh my God. So many stories around that. I used to make brownies and then put them in the bin and then put washing up liquid over the brownies to stop me from eating them. Yet I would go back in the bin later and try and fish around and eat the edible parts. What else? Before in England, before I met Valter and I had a boyfriend and I would buy 12 Krispy Kreme donuts eat them all and then hide the evidence in the middle of the night in my dressing gown in next door neighbor's bin. So no one knew I'd ate them all to myself. Countless food stories. I would go out with friends for a meal and started off being quote good and have a salad and then just can't, couldn't wait to get home and binge. Then it extended to, I would go out for a meal, think fuck it, have a starter main and dessert and then also go home and binge 
in secret, hide food wrappers at work. I used to hide food wrappers in the broom cupboard. I used to eat in the broom cupboard so I didn't have to share my food because I didn't want anyone sharing it. I was obsessed with chocolate and sugar and food and all the things that I'd restricted every time I went on a diet. And as I come to the end of my story, because I think this is literally like, two, and I'm so fucking hungry, I'm not gonna lie. Like I literally need to start dinner now. So I'm gonna wrap this up. The breakthrough moment came for me. I was at rock bottom in the Netherlands. I was cutting up some brownies for, I was still doing a bit of brownie work on the side for people that still wanted some. And I remember cutting up brownies. I cut my hand by accident, not really badly, but with blood everywhere. And then everything just came on top of me. I sat down on the floor, blood everywhere. And I was like, what the fuck? am I doing with my life I cannot continue this what am I going to do and I remember still wrapping something around my hand getting the brownies that were edible and taking them to this woman who she needed it for a party this is I guess a dig towards Walter but he's not the man he used to be he let me drive on the other side of the stupid road because over here okay let me just calm down it's not the stupid road in the Netherlands, they drive on the different side to England. So even driving was difficult for me. It wasn't natural. So he let me drive in the car in hysterics to this brownie place. Though to be fair, I was probably like, no, I'm fine. Leave me alone. I want to go. And I remember getting to this brownie place and calling the woman who couldn't speak any English. And she came to the car because I was outside the house and she literally saw me. And I was in hysteric and she was trying to ask me in Dutch and I had a clue what she was saying if I was okay. And obviously I wasn't okay. And I kind of gave her the brownies and like just drove off and then parked up down the street. And then my bloody best friend Nat called me and I was like, absolutely don't want to speak to anyone. I answered by accident, right? I answered by accident and good job I did. And then I couldn't speak so I was crying hysterically. And Nat was like, I'm flying over right now. And I was like, no, Nat, I'm okay. She's like, you are not okay. And I was like, I don't even want to speak to you. I accidentally answered you. And, oh, it was awful. Then I drove back home. Nat calmed me down. I drove home. I spoke to Walter and told him how I was feeling and how I was feeling so unsupported. And loads of things to do with our relationship wasn't great either at that time. Well, I mean, our relationship now is in fucking incredible, but we've worked at it and we've both grown as people through it in order to be in the position we're in now. But I just let it all out and shared everything. And from that moment on, I quit my cleaning job and he supported me and I started my study. I hired my own coach, an emotional eating coach, um, a spiritual intuitive eating coach, she called herself my first ever coach and I borrowed all this money because I fucking had none um I borrowed the money hired my first coach studied psychology studied the science and nutrition and spirituality became certified as a transformational nutrition coach um and started my own business and that was five years ago and here I am today five years on I'm 35 now as I um record this in the best place mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually that I've ever been in in my whole entire life. And I'm so grateful for that. And I now, as you know, if, you, if you're if you an avid listener, you know what I do. I help women to find food freedom and to love their bodies and themselves truly. And I don't want to go into how I did that because this is already two hours long almost, but I just want you to know that now I am so happy 
I eat what the fuck I want, whenever I want, how much I want. I'm the healthiest I've ever been physically as well as emotionally and mentally. I'm, I love myself. I know my worth. I can set boundaries, everything that comes together. But most importantly, I've got my life back. And now I, and since I stopped obsessing over food and my body, I had the capacity to start my own business doing this. I now work full-time as in not full-time hours because I get to decide, but full-time wage, more than I'd ever earn ever working for someone, doing what I love, helping women and seeing them transform from the time we spend together, from hating themselves and binging and feeling so much shame or restricting to the point where they're not living their lives. And I help them and guide them and hold their hand and all of the things that I do. When you sign with me, when you work with me, you're not just hiring a coach. Oh no, you are hiring, what are you hiring? You're hiring me. I am with you every step of the way. I, your journey to food freedom and body love is so important to me, I can't even tell you. Your goals of freedom are probably like more important to me than they are to you because I am with you and I know how you feel and nobody is ever deserving of feeling that way and you don't have to feel this way you don't have to hate your body and feel like a failure and wonder why you can't diet there is another way and this is where I am living in true food freedom and body love and this is why I absolutely adore what I do helping women do the same so I'm gonna end it there I hope this was inspirational, helpful in any way. I hope you can resonate. I hope you realize that you're not alone. I hope you realize that you absolutely can live in true food freedom and body love yourself. You just need to want to. You need the support from an expert who gets it. And you need the right, you know, the right strategy, the right tools and tricks and the right path in the right order to get you there because I understand how you feel. You don't have to feel this way. Okay. I love you. Thank you so much for listening or watching because this has been a long one. I love and adore all of you. Thank you for being here. If you want to reach out to me and, and explore the different ways we can work together, there's two different ways you can work with me one-to-one on a 12-week basis, either weekly or fortnightly calls, including so much more, check it out on my website. Or you can join the Body Love Buffet, which is my program and private support group with private podcast. If you're not wanting to invest in one-to-one right now, any either way, reach out to me. I love you and I'll see you next time. I hope this episode was everything you needed to hear today and more. If you love this podcast, then please screenshot this episode and share it to your Instagram or Facebook stories and tag me at Victoria Kleinsman so I can share you with my audience and we can get my podcast out to more women that need it. Also, I'd be super duper grateful if you could rate and review this podcast as it really does help others to find it. Thank you so, so much in advance and I'll see you on the next one.